Welcome again to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. That is AJ. He's the Green. I'm Ken. I'm the Beige. And welcome to episode nine of the Green Beige Podcast. And actually, for once, we have some breaking news that happens before we record, as opposed to it happening as soon as we finish recording, or <laughs> if it happens as soon as we drop the episode. So today... JJ Watt announced on Twitter that he is headed to the Cardinals. And then we got the details. JJ Watt is headed to the Cardinals on a two-year, $31 million deal with $23 million guaranteed. So, AJ, this is a great place to start off the rip. What do you think about it, of JJ going to the Cardinals? Is it a good move? <laughs> uh, so, honestly, the when when he parted ways with Houston, the first thing I thought was that, all right, it would be an immediate Super Bowl contender, right? Mm-hmm. But then seeing the move today, I'm like, all right, JJ won a little bit of money, I, I'm guessing. <laughs> and I, can, I, cannot, I cannot fault that. I, like it, it's not up to me as a fan to decide what a player should do, like what, where their head is, what, they, what is their intention, right? So I have no problem with that. I, I, but I won't lie to you, right? The fan side of me, the first thing I thought um, when when this was announced, was Ch- Chandler Jones and JJ Watt though, mm. <laughs> and Russ 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 recently been coming. I mean, we're going to get into that, but Russ been complaining about his offensive line and you know, uh, um, uh, QB. Um, sorry, the defense is coming after him. I know they have to deal with Chandler Jones and 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 JJ. Well, I was I I'm, I was actually got kind of excited just a little bit, just a little bit, just just to see that that tandem. Uh, yes, from the fan perspective. So I, if if this is what JJ Watt wants to do, I mean, clearly it is because he went there. I mean, if if he wanted to make that money, and he thinks that this is a, a, a good organization for him, I mean, I I think the Cardinals generally are trending upwards. They seem to to be in the last couple of years. They finally found a quarterback. Um, obviously, there had to have been some recruitment taking place. Between D Hop, <laughs> between D Hop and JJ, I, I'm, nobody's going to tell me not. So I mean, I, I I guess JJ thinks he would fit into the culture, and there's so much that he could bring. And obviously, he has someone um, to play, you know, alongside him to do as much damage as he can. So I actually like the move. I do. I like it for both player and team. Well, I I can't say that I don't like it, honestly. Because from the perspective, as you just described, where you put him next to Chandler Jones, um, one of the defensive laymen with the Cardinals, Jordan Phillips, he tweeted, who are you going to double? No, LOL. So Chandler Jones has had to deal with double teams a lot because he's the most explosive and he's the most productive player yeah, on that defensive. Sorry, I don't, not not to cut you right, I, but Go I just ahead. really wanted to say I just really wanted to add this in real quick. You know, this this is the one person who I actually have always missed as a Patriot player. Like everyone else is kind of like you know next man up and thing. It's like all right, I kind of understand where they leave when they leave. <laughs> I've always felt sad about Chandler Jones leaving, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, no problem. That that is fine. I mean, if you if you want to. Um, Shed some tears because one of your guys. I did internally. Awesome. I did internally. Yeah, I'm. I'm here for all the Patriots fans' <laughs> tears. Just bring all of them. I, I can't am stand here. This <laughs> I can't stand this. <laughs> 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 
you know what? Just go ahead. I'm sorry I put that that out there. Go ahead. No, it's fine. I know that that was good content. So yeah, so Chandler Jones, Chandler Jones has been very effective as a defensive lineman, especially as a pass rusher. And then you bring JJ Watt into the equation. It it does make you wonder. You know, it has room for what is this offense? Well, not offense. What is the defense going to look like next season? No, the other side of it, though, as you mentioned, you would have expected that Watt would have gone to a contender and everybody expected or had a strong inkling that he may have ended up in Pittsburgh because, you know, Pittsburgh has his two brothers there. But as we had mentioned last week, and we'll get into in a little bit here today as well, Pittsburgh do have some cap issues that they need to resolve. So I was surprised that he went to, to Arizona. But at the same time, where I look at Arizona, Arizona still needs to be a little, you know, they still have to have some bit of buyer beware because while well, JJ Watt has been a preeminent pro bowler, he's made the pro bowl five times in his 10 years in the league. He has played um, the only times that he has not made the pro bowl and been first team all pro was his rookie year. And this last season, of course, this season was a dumpster fire for Houston. So no big surprise there that he didn't make the pro bowl this year, but in 2016, 2017, and 2019, he's played the equivalent of, or the total of 16 games in three seasons. We know that Watt has had his injury issues. He's had problems with his back. He's torn a pectoral muscle. He's torn a tricep. JJ Watt is now going into year 11, and you're giving a pass rusher in year 11 $23 million guaranteed over the next two seasons. What it is, J.J. Watt, and J.J. Watt has been nothing short of excellent through the majority of his career, is to me, it's still, you still have to take a moment to consider the, his injury history, especially knowing that, you know, really and truly, by the time this contract is finished, he's then going to be in year 12, 13? Yo, year 12. He's going to be in year 12. 11, um, he's, oh, he said going into 11, right? Yeah, he's yeah. going into 11. And... While he's in year 12 and the expectation is that he may not have to work as hard as he has in recent seasons with Houston. He, when he was in Houston, he had um, Merciless next to him. He had Jadavian Clooney next to him. So it's not like if this is the first thing that he's going to have like quality on the defensive line with him. So while it is a good move for him, for sure, I still have some reservations looking at it going forward. I mean, that's understandable. I get that. Can't overlook the injury record. Uh, <laughs> but I'll leave you to worry about that. I just I just actually really like... I just actually... It, it grew on me. Because like I said, initially, I, I was thinking, okay, I did not see this one coming. But I just like the idea of it. And I'm, 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 I'm just personally really big on Chandler Jones. So I just... I would love to see this tandem. If it could work, like you said, I mean, the best ability is availability, right? So if he can stay on the field, I'd love to see how this works out. Yeah, I mean, we do have to, we have to give him some time to see what is going to be. And the aspect, for some reason, it seems like if Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, especially, they, they have the, as a good friend of mine likes to say, they have the voodoo water down in the <laughs> desert where people who have had 
injury problems all their life tend to go in there and suddenly get a whole lot better. So good luck to you, JJ. Well, we are hoping for great things for you. And one thing you may mention, which then leads us quite nicely into our next topic of conversation. We still have Russell Wilson, who is still agitating, well, I can't say agitating for a move because he's not made a formal trade request. But his agent has some very interesting comments to make over the last few days where he said that while Russ has not submitted a trade request, there are four teams he'd like to, if he's going to be traded, he would want to be traded to. Now, just like Deshaun Watson, Russ also has the no trade clause. So they can't just package him and send, well, back in the day, we would say you can't just send it to Cleveland because <laughs> it was Cleveland. No, Cleveland probably might, might be Jacksonville, but you can't just package him and send him off to Jacksonville. He has to be in agreement with where he's going. So they gave four teams, and I believe that we can spend a little time and talk about each of these teams. But before we get there, my first question to you is, AJ, do you think that Russ is actually going to be traded? No, I don't. Not this, not not this off season. I don't. I, I I genuinely believe that this is kind of a move to force the organization's hand, and I don't see Seattle necessarily as the organization that is internally um, always like disorganized and don't know what they're doing. Um, the, yes, they they have not been very good with protecting Russ. We know that. Uh, what was it? According to the stats, it, so since Russ entered the league, he's been sacked the most, 394 sacks. This is since he entered the league in 2012. 394 mm-hmm. sacks, the most. 430 scrambles, the most. <laughs> and he's taken uh, 1,107 hits, joint second most in the entire league. So he's gone through all of that, and he hasn't tried to force his way out before this year. So I, I honestly still don't believe that this is the offseason where that happens. And especially now where um, we have a situation where it seems like like um, the other teams in the division are strengthening. I, I really don't feel like... I, I think Seattle are going to do everything in their power to keep Russ, at least for this offseason. The, the question is whether he's going to be traded. I, I can see it happening maybe in the future, maybe a year from now. I don't feel it happens right now. I, I don't. So, similar to what I said about Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. the organization would bat themselves into a corner if they were to decide, we are not trading you come hell or high water. And on top of we are not trading you at all, then he decides that he's going to turn up because he doesn't want to lose his money. And then he stinks up the joint, and then they're there, they have trouble. So in this summer, well, we haven't reached the summer yet, but what will be the summer of quarterback angst? Because we have a lot of it right now, and unprecedented quarterback movement. Right this second, I don't see Russ getting traded either. Right now, I don't see that the Seattle Seahawks are going to do it. They definitely don't want to do it. They don't want to entertain the thought of it. However, 
if they were to put him on the open market, I am pretty sure that the returns that they could get for him would be pretty, pretty high. And because of their issues right now that they have, that they have issues on the offense, they've, well, they've had issues on the offensive line ever since they traded Max Unger. They've never addressed the offensive line with especially proper high-end draft picks. They have question marks with what they're going to do in the running back room because Carlos Hyde, his contract is coming up soon. Chris Carson, he, I think he has probably one more year on that rookie deal. They have to figure out what they're going to do there. And we don't we know that the NFL doesn't value running backs like that and doesn't like to pay them a lot of money. So while you while I will agree that the likelihood of him being traded this season is low, I still think it's possible. Especially if he were to come out and say, Listen, I'm not just like what um Deshaun Watson is doing in Houston, I'm not playing here anymore. So you know where I want to go, get me there. They, they don't really have a choice. So, again, we, we made mention of the places that he has suggested that he would want to go. And we have four teams. So I'm just going to give you the four teams in no particular order. And then you tell me which how you rank these teams from best to, la- to worst fits for him. So you have the Las Vegas Raiders, the New Orleans Saints, the Chicago Bears, and the Dallas Cowboys. So, of those four teams, how do you rank them? Initially, looking at the list, right, I was kind of confused because I do not see a pattern in these four. It, it, it seems like there are four teams chosen from very random categories, right? Mm-hmm. And dispersed kinds. So, I, I really couldn't get the grasp of it. But if taking it from a football perspective, there is no better choice. Like, in, in miles and miles ahead of everyone else are the Saints right now. Because that, that is the most NFL. And you, you know how I am with your team. But I'll, I'll admit, out of that list, if we're talking about from the footballing aspect, you know, a team ready to win a Super Bowl, you go down, Russell, Russell Wilson is going to slot into the Saints, in my opinion, seamlessly, right? Especially with the, the, his um, predecessor the type of, of player that he was. I think it's, it's already kind of tailor-made for Russ. Russ could do a little bit more at this point. So I feel like that would be an easy transition. And the team is ready. That team is ready. <laughs> I mean, culture-wise, I'm not sure. But at least on the field, they're ready. Yeah, you, you could get into that afterwards. You could get into that afterwards. At least on the field, they're ready. So I would say the Saints are by leaps and bounds ahead of the others. After that, though, I... I, I don't know how to judge this because I, I can't make head nor tail of these other teams. <laughs> it, it, there's so many other factors, I believe, that need to be taken into consideration. Like, I actually like the Raiders in terms of their team, but then you're talking about being in a division where you're most likely going to be the wildcard team, uh, which is not, it's not like an in, 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 um, conceivable thought. It is possible that, you know, he could still guide them to a good enough record um, to end up in that position. So, <clears throat> I, I, I guess, I guess I would probably put the Raiders second, marginally ahead, actually, of the, this might sound funny, but marginally ahead of the, the Cowboys, actually. I, I, I think the NFC least is 
as 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 it as it always is, it's up for grabs. Um, he would have some weapons offensively. I'm not too big on Mike McCarthy, but this is just this, and that's kind of why I have them third. I, I think he still will have some offensive weapons there. And then last but by no means least, I would say the Bears. Uh, while the Bears have always been yeah, this defensive team and they have a defense, I am not quite certain what is happening with their offense and their weapons. I, I look out, out, outside of Allen Robinson, no one on that offense really fills me with much confidence. Right, as in to be able to do this consistently week in week out, and apparently, as we saw, I saw up to I think it was sometime last week that Alan Robinson said he hasn't been contacted by the Bears since the end of the season. Like what? <laughs> like what? I mean, if I mean, if if they probably aren't going to bring him back, cool. But the fact that they didn't even call him out up to now, I mean, I don't know what happened in there. So I, if they have that sort of indecision going on behind closed doors, I can't really give them much credit for anything. So I'm going to put them forth. So I'll. So again, Saints, Raiders, Raiders and Cowboys. I guess kind of here and here, and then the Bears a little bit below. Okay, but I'm going to run mine in reverse order. No, unfortunately, I agree with you that Chicago at this point are the least of the apostles, and for a lot of the reasons that you just said, I agree. But there are other things that I also wanted to bring up here where Chicago is concerned. So. You said that you didn't really see a pattern in in the list that um, Russell Wilson's agent, no, you have to say his agent, not necessarily him, even though the agent in a lot of cases do speak on behalf of these athletes to say the things that they can. But three of the four teams have definite question marks at quarterback. And the one that does not have the major question mark at quarterback we know that the coach and the quarterback seem not to be on the same page very often. So, and that is the Raiders. So, Chicago, they have had their issues at quarterback this season. And people believe, I don't know why they believe it, but they believe that this Chicago Bears roster is good enough to challenge for a Super Bowl. But they don't have a quarterback. So, him going there with the weapons that they have emerging. Maybe it could be it could be pretty good. Um, they have the good Cole Komet at tight end, who's decent, but decent. He, yeah, he's decent, but he's not. He doesn't set the world on fire. I guess that's a fair assessment to give. He doesn't set the world on fire. Then we they have uh, David Montgomery, the running back who had shown flashes in his rookie season. He improved a lot this season, but. Again, decent, not spectacular. And outside of Alan Robinson, they don't really have that top, top quality wide receiver. Like, I believe Alan Robinson is a great, is a very good receiver, but I don't have him in the great category. I don't have him in the category like an Odell Beckham, uh, Julio Jones, uh, Michael Thomas. I don't have him in that mm-hmm. class. So I think he's very good, solid. Would would put up some consistent numbers each week, but yeah, I, I don't. I still he doesn't have that extra, the je ne sais quoi, if you yes, will. Exactly. So I, I guess Chicago probably they have the money, they have the cap space that they could pay him. So if if it comes down to money, then 
why not go to some place that would actually have a team that you could probably hopefully be able to make something happen then like you I have Dallas at second second worst or third best depending on which way your cup flows Dallas has um, a not bad offensive line it's not as good as it was two years ago but it is still it is still above average and they can't give him the protection. Nobody knows really and truly what's happening with Ezekiel Elliott because last season was not a good year for him. Tony Pollard looked better than him for long stretches of the season. So we don't know what is really going on with Zeke. But on the outside, they have Amari Cooper, who I am not that high on compared to a lot of other people. They have CeeDee Lamb, who had a very good rookie season. And they have Michael Gallup, who became the forgotten man on offense. They don't have a tight end, though, which is something that they would need to fix. But Russ is coming from Seattle, where really and truly they don't pass the ball that much. So him not having a passing tight end after when they had Jimmy Graham, who really wasn't able to get much going within their offense, that's nothing new for him. So he he should be able to make it work while he's there. I checked out Sports Nation, um, the Friday episode, the episode from Friday Gone. And one of the hosts, I don't remember his name, he said that he would like to see Russ with the Raiders only because of the personality clashes that would happen between him and Chucky. And Chucky. <laughs> some some men just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> exactly. So he wants to see he wants to see how that would go. Now, John Gruden, he took a long time out of the out of the league and his Raiders, since he's been back in the league, they have just been middle of the pack. They have not been great, but they've not been terrible either. And the good thing for him is that he got, you know, he got that massive 10-year contract. So he can basically do as he feels like for as long as he feels like because there's no way that Davis is going to fire him and then pay him for the next seven years. So he, he is playing with host money every season. Offensively, their offense has had some some good production. They have Darren Waller, who's a fantastic tight end. They have some question marks at wide receiver because none of their wide receivers are really home run hitters. And when you bring in um, Nelson Aguilar, who immediately becomes your number two, when he, you know, he couldn't catch anything in, in Philadelphia, then I mean, credit to you that you made, you've managed to make him productive, but at the same time, it's still Nelson Aguilar. So nobody's putting a lot of faith and a lot of hope in Nelson Aguilar. And then, top of the tree is my Saints. And clearly, even my mayor, well, I can't say my mayor because I live in Denver. I don't live in New Orleans, but However, the mayor of the city for which my team calls home, she is of the opinion that the best thing, I mean, you look at the four teams that he's presented, we agree with her and we, I mean, we, and we agree with each other. 
Now, the best place for him to go if he's leaving Seattle is to come to the Bayou because we have it all. We have we have a future Hall of, Hall of Fame head coach. We have one of the top offenses in the league. We have one of the best running backs, one of the best wide receivers, a great offensive line, which will still need some tooling because of our cap situation. We have a great defense. What more could you want if you are Russell Wilson than to come to New Orleans? Now, I mean, I can just picture it. And as you said, to transition from Drew Brees to Russell Wilson in terms of their offensive skill sets is not a hard transition to make. Because yeah, when... As, uh, I don't think it, it'll be... Yeah. I don't think it'll be difficult at all. Sorry. Sorry. It was just... Yeah, no, because... I, know ele- I know you in your element here. You in you in your glory here. So how about it, Sam? How about it? So so what when I look at what we were able to get out of Drew, especially the last few years coming coming down, and then you stick Russell Wilson in there. Like first off, our offensive line will keep him upright because Drew has been historically one of the least sack quarterbacks every season. So and the quick passing game that the Saints has will also have him out and making sure he doesn't get hit so often. You have uh, Michael Thomas, who I would encourage a lot of people to go back and watch his tape from his early seasons before he signed his extension. I noticed that Michael Thomas was a burner. Michael Thomas was getting down the field. He was running pretty much every row in the tree. And he had a quarterback that could throw the ball to him 35 yards down the, se- down the field. Because of Drew Brees' arm strength limitations and the way how he has been playing this the football for the last couple of seasons, people are calling Michael Thomas slant boy. Like if all he can do is to work on short, not even intermediate, but short routes where he catches the ball, turns up field, falls down, and he gets like six yards. So no, put some respect on this man's name, please. Understand that he I did not. I love that. I saw, I could not believe it when I saw it. People were saying, slap boy, like if this Yo, is all this man uh, can do. No, go watch the tape and see, and see what Michael Thomas is capable of. He has great hands, so he is money on the slants. But if you need Michael Thomas to give a man a double move, 25 yards down the field, he can do it. And you give him a quarterback that can put the ball on the spot for him, he'll go get it. And once that ball gets between his hands, there's no knocking it out. So, I mean, if Russ wants to come, we can make it happen. No, I, I don't know if you saw it, but there was there was something that I don't remember who it was, but they put together like potential trades that each of these teams could make to try to get Russ. Packages, yeah. Yeah, trade packages that they could try to get Russ out of out of Seattle. Now, when I saw the Saints package, I liked it for the most part, but there was one piece of it that I didn't really... I mean, I understand the business of it, so, okay. And I don't remember all the picks that they were that they had thrown in, but they, they were saying that they would have traded Marshawn Lattimore. They would have also traded... What's that guy's name? Um, that quarterback that they're still trying to 
convince somebody that they think that he's going to start for us. Um, yes, Taysom Hill. So they would trade Taysom Hill, they trade Marshawn Lattimore and like three picks. They think two number ones and a number three or something like that. No. Yeah, no. Marshawn Lattimore would be the headline of the trade, obviously. However, I think that bringing in Taysom Hill, while he will not be the headliner of the trade, would be a shrewd move on the part of Seattle because a lot of the stuff that they like to do with Russ, they can still do with Taysom Hill because Hill is mobile the same way. I mean, I guess, oh, I should say he's more mobile than Russ because whereas Russ, because he gets hit so much in the pocket, he's not going down the field and looking for hits, but Taysom Hill will lower a shoulder and run over a cornerback if he doesn't, you know, put himself proper. So it's intriguing, but I, and especially for the way how Pete Carroll and that defense likes to operate, getting Marshawn Lattimore in there, especially you now with Shaq Griffin as a restricted free agent, that is money. I, I don't see how they turn that down. But Russ is, you know, kind, not asking for a trade, but kind of would be interested if somebody was to call. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, oh, I, I let you outline it, and yeah, good points. I uh, I did not know about that. I didn't see that with regards to that package. Losing Marshawn Latimer, boy. I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess you got you have to give up something to get something, right? Yeah. Hill, Tissom Hill is not a huge loss. I, yeah, I'm sorry, he's not a huge loss. The Marshawn Latimer, I mean, at least Mike Evans and Julio Jones might feel a little bit better next season. <laughs> It is true. <laughs> it is true. They, they might be a bit more relieved. That's that's two two games they might probably actually put up some numbers on. Two yeah. games each. Yeah, because you know, um when whenever Lattimore lines up against uh my Evans, my Evans my Evans disappears from the game plan. We could we could just put it that way. To be fair, he's usually hold Julio down too. I've had Julio a couple of years in fantasy. And anytime anytime that game comes around, boy. Bench. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, but I I would not like to lose Lattimore. Yeah, of course not. Yeah, because he is he is a stud. But at the same time, as I say, you may have to give up something to get something. And if we have to part ways with Marshawn Lattimore to get the quarterback for the next seven years, because Russ is still pretty young, then unfortunately he may be a cap casualty. And I know we can get into more cap stuff in a little bit, but I saw today that um, your New England Patriots, after I just got here and watched poetically about my Saints, it's all fair. I give you the opportunity to do the same. New England, it was announced they're getting back Patrick Chung, Dante Hightower, and Marcus Cannon. So you have some reinforcements coming in. On the defensive side, as well as on your offensive line, which was in shambles last season. So, AJ, are things looking up in Beantown? Patrick Chung is one of my favorite players in this team. Kid you not. I, I, I would be glad to, to see him come back. Um, also, Dante, I mean, 
know the kind of impact that those guys have. The thing is, I I I don't even it it doesn't even fill me with any confidence. And then even with Marcus Cannon coming back, you no, know, he's been consistent consistent as um in the offense. We don't have a quarterback though. <laughs> so what <laughs> what does this really mean? Like this actually means nothing to me. This means nothing to me at this point. If if we solidify the quarterback position and I know the direction that the team is heading in next year, then cool. But at this point, saying that these men are coming back, all right, cool, they're coming back, but to achieve what? What are we doing? What, what according to Taylor Two, I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing? Where we we don't have a quarterback situation at this point. I'm not even seeing prospects because obviously Cam isn't there anymore. They, they, it, it is publicly known by now that Bill Belichick and I guess others within the organization do not do not have much. Well, this is mainly Bill, but they don't have much faith in Jared Stidham, and, and I'm pretty sure Brian Hoyer is still even a part of this roster. So we don't have a quarterback, and this is this is that this is what I really want to see. That's what I really want to see. I want to see that a quarterback is coming to New England for me then to be able to say, all right, you know what? Then I can see what we're going to do this season. I, I, I could see what we're going to do in this division, uh, how we might be better than last year. But at this point, like bringing back those guys on the defensive side of the ball, all right, that's all well and good. But if we don't have an offense, well, that mean much to me. That mean much to me as a pass fan. I'll be honest with you. I like. I, I would. Lo- I love to see them guys back, man. I, I, I am a huge fan of both of those. Like I said, especially Patrick Chung. But uh, so we, we doing all this for what? But the thing is, what about? Yeah, but you need the reinforcements, though. Like, yeah, we guys- also need a quote. We also need. Listen, this is it's not. It's not. It's not like we. It's not like we have a. This is not like a couple of years back where Tom Brady is there and is like, you know what? All right, well, we know that that the offense is going to be this. I have no idea what our offense is going to be next season. I have no idea. So I'm, I'm just saying, like, so I, I I can't sit down here and get all excited that these guys are coming back. When I have no idea what what half of the team is going to be next, well, not half, because I mean a third of the team is going to be next season. The most integral position on the team is what I mean. I, it just this is me from a fan. I can't speak of it any other way. Me being a, a, a part supporter, I'm not excited. I'm minimal excitement at the fact that uh, that we're getting by these veteran players. But in the grand scheme of things, it's like, all right, cool. Give me a quarterback first. So, I, don't, but, I don't want to see this announcement. But but you know that there's a lot of a, a talk. There's a lot of rumors out there that the San Francisco 49ers are currently kicking the tires on any quarterbacks that may be available, which would potentially make your um, prodigal son, I guess that's the best way to put it, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, available to come back to the parts and that I did, I did so I did you remember you remember I was even seeing in one of our chats that I I I was getting this feeling like I could see Jimmy G coming back I I, I feel like we were going to take back Jimmy G but then apparently within the last 24 to 48 hours John Lynch has come out and said that Garoppolo will be the starter for the Niners next season so I mean I, I at this point, the, the fact that he's come out and outright says that, uh, uh, that he, he has come out and, and, and said that, well, clearly he knows what he's going to do. So, again, we're back to square one. But the thing is, though, as much as John Lynch is saying that Garoppolo is going to be the quarterback next season, 
we know that he's going to be the quarterback until he's not. When they decide, hey, we can get insert name here and we can bring him in to solidify our quarterback position because as I have told you multiple times, the 49ers as an organization, especially because Shanahan and that offense, they do not believe in Garoppolo. When they made that run to the Super Bowl and Garoppolo threw 13 passes in between two games, that does not scream out, we trust and believe in our quarterback. Bill Belichick is not... I cannot believe you just forgot the name of your own backer or third third string quarterback, but you know, but you remember the number of passes that Jimmy Garoppolo threw <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in them two postseason. Well, you are so unjust. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. <laughs> but it's not a matter of being unjust. Taysom Hill's name slipped me at the time. However, this is something that sticks out to me because I remember there was a lot of conversation about Garoppolo and. How Garoppolo, like, at that time, we used to watch a whole lot of first tape. Mm-hmm. And when Molly and Max were giving him the Jimmy G moniker, Stephen A was like, I am not calling him that until he earns a nickname. Yeah. Then the nickname that he unfortunately got tagged with, I will not even call it on this show. But at the end of the day, <laughs> When you look at his performance and his production, he has some he has some very good games and he has some very dumb games as well. And then they went through that whole playoff run to the Super Bowl. And to be to be absolutely fair, they were the 49ers were able to run the ball at an unprecedented rate, especially what they did to Green Bay when they ran for like 300 yards. Like if your running backs are doing that, then you really don't need to pass. However, any team that has a quarterback worth his salt are still going to pass the ball, though. He's going to get 150, 170 yards because at some point in time, they're going to use the running game to create play action and make things happen. There was none of that. So I can't sit here and say that I can't Griffith believe that Jimmy Garoppolo is the future for any franchise until he shows me more on tape. And then the other issue is that most of the time, his tape is him on the sideline with a baseball cap on because he's always hurt. Best ability is availability. I already said it. I, listen, I, I get everything you're saying and you're not, you're not incorrect. But in, in my situation or in the Pat situation, rather me speaking on behalf of the Pats, I would actually welcome back Jimmy G. I would. I would. I, 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 I believe that there's still something that can be rekindled with Bill. Mind you, the team ain't the same, and we really have no one on uh, um, in, in our wide receiver room, like, let's be honest, outside of probably Jacoby Myers. And I, I even at this point, as much as I like that little man, I'm not willing to, to bet my entire offense on him. Um, but I... I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be averse to, to, to Jimmy G coming back. I I I I think it'd be better than what we've had. And like I said, this is no disrespect to Cam, 
but like I said, um, I, for me, it, I guess it's just also the fact that he's already worked with Bill, and I think Bill can get the best out of him because of just even just a system, the entire system. I don't want to necessarily say the Patriot way, but you know, just having a system in place. It, and this is actually giving Bill credit. Uh, Bill puts together an offense. I don't even know if you will, but I, 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 I feel like it could be a progressive move. For, Progressing by regressing move for us. Well, I mean, Camden instilled much confidence last season. So not to me, not to me. I know how that was for me. I I was against it, then I wanted the guy to do well, and then he kind of I, I, I felt like he didn't he didn't prove me wrong. He wasn't he wasn't it. He wasn't it. And no, nah, he just wasn't it. And I I I'm not even enamored by the thought of him coming back. If he does, all right, cool. I understand he was there last year, so he might try to build up on that, especially if he has more time to be with the team and work out with the team during the offseason and whatnot. Cool. But if he doesn't, I'm quite fine with that as well. I'd, I'd, at this point, I'd, I'd pretty much prefer someone else to him, but if, if, if the pendulum swings that way, then why the heck not? Yep. We'll see how it goes. We know for sure that the Patriots will be back on the pod. So we we don't have to exhaust all of the conversation about them right here, right now. So we had a request coming from one of our faithful viewers. He asked us to go a little bit more into the cap, the whole salary cap situation in the NFL. And for those who may have ESPN Plus, especially, um, there is in a fantastic article written by Bill Barnwell, where he broke down six teams who have cap situations and what they could do to get under the cap. Now, what is instructive in this article, which will definitely help for the explanation of the cap a little bit more um, is how he broke down the cap hits and how a player's cap hit is calculated. So just to give a very quick recap, the NFL announced that the floor, which is the absolute minimum that any NFL team can spend on their roster, is $180 million, which is down from $192.5 million, I think it was, last season. And because of the coronavirus pandemic, the fact that most stadiums played more than 90% of the season with no fans or extremely reduced capacities, the amount of money that was coming in was also greatly reduced. And as a result, the owners decided that the cap has to come back because the owners, as we all know, don't like to pay the players. And we will have a more in-depth conversation about that some other time. But one is in this article, the Bill Barnwell spoke about the Steelers and the biggest exposition that he gave as to how the cap is or how a player's cap hit is um, created was talking about Roethlisberger's contract. So that's why I'm going to I'm just going to stick to this one. And AJ, 
stick with me. If you get a little lost, just let me know and I'll see if I can if I can explain it a little bit better. So Ben Roethlisberger this season has a $41.3 million cap hit, which is the largest of any one player in the league. And as I just mentioned, if you have a cap of $180 million to pay one player $40 million on the cap is way, way too much, which is why we keep hearing that if Roethlisberger is going to come back, then his contract has to be restructured. So what Barnwell says in this article is that Roethlisberger's deal has four components. His base salary for this season is $4 million. So you would ask then, how is it then that he gets from $4 million to $41 million? Now, when he signed his extension in 2019, he was given a $37.5 million signing bonus. So what he basically gets to go to the bank with a huge smile on his face and hand over a $37.5 million check. Because the extension was three years, it allowed the Steelers to spread his extension over that three-year period. So it didn't count to the cap all in one fell swoop, but it was then spread out $12.5 million for 2019, 2020, and 2021. So remember, we said he has $4 million, which is his base salary, as well as this $12.5 million, which is added to that, which puts us at $16.5 million so far. Now, he also had a $15 million roster bonus. Now, of that, now let's just go back one quick step. He has the $4 million in base plus the roster bonus of $15 million. That's $19 million, of which $14 million is already guaranteed for injury. So as long as he can pass a physical, the Steelers would not owe him those figures if they cut him. Now, they restructured the, his deal before last season, turning $19.5 million of salaries and roster bonuses into a signing bonus. So as I may mention, they spread the cap hit for the bonus in 2019, $12.5 million over the three years, then he took this additional bonus. So now he had $9.75 million counting to the cap this season and $9.75 more next season. Because remember, $19.5 million is what they owed him in salaries and roster bonuses. So... This is, where it, this is where it all boils down. So he has the $12.5 million for the first signing bonus, $9.75 million for his second signing bonus, which adds up to $22.5 million in gap. Then he still has the $4 million bonus salary, $15 for the roster bonus, and the dead money, which was on his previous contract, which was already counting to the cap before we add all of this other stuff in, of $22.3 million, puts us at $41.3 million. So, it's a lot of math. But from what Barnwell's... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I understand. 
I, I apologize to anybody who's just stuck with me through that very convoluted explanation. However, to boil it all down to its nitty-gritty, a player will have a base salary, which in a lot of cases, when you find that these players do these um, extensions, they tend to bring their base salary down as far as possible to give the team more wiggle room. And then the majority of the salary, what would have been salary for them before, then becomes a bonus, which the team then can stretch out across several years of cap as opposed to it hitting this year. So if I, Ken Griffith, would love it, but if I was on an NFL team and it was due $10 million this season and the team decided, hey, look, so we're going to bring you down to the minimum of $1 million and that $9 million then we're going because you have a three-year contract, we're going to spread that over the next however long because I would have taken a check for $9 million right now and then for the rest of the season, my salary is just a $1 million. And they took the next $9 million and spread it over, spread it over the three years of my deal. So this season, next season, and the season after, it was $3 million to the cap. If they cut me, I've already cashed that check. So because I've already been paid, then that $3 million is dead money to the cap. Then when you factor in all of the other bonuses that these teams get, then and sorry, the players get, then it all then makes for an explosive situation when you have a lot of contracts now that are either coming due or in a situation like this, which the cap goes down as opposed to going up, then it forces these teams now to you know, kind of have to do some magic accounting to try to get themselves back under cap compliance. I don't know that Ben had that much of a hit there. Um, $41.3 million. Yeah, I had no idea the, the details of his contract, but that, <laughs> no, I'm even more firm in my stance that that guy shouldn't be around. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I, yeah, they're going to they gonna stick with him, and it, it, it seems and restructure that. But wow. Yeah, like the, the, the things that he had mentioned as well with regards to like what the Saints should do. He said the first thing that they should do is to cut Quan Alexander, defensive tackle Malcolm Brown, and Janoris Jenkins and Patrick Robinson. And they said that you can designate players to be, well, you can have up to two players that you can say are either going to be before, well, post-June 1 releases, where you can cut them now, but the way how is then going to be accounted, it would then, like, if it was after everything and therefore it frees up more money. If they do that, that cuts, that takes out $30.8 million, just getting rid of those four players, out of the gap. So then they refund $34.4 million of safety after Drew Brees has already um, reduced his salary from the 23 million it was right 25 million so because he's dropped it down to the veteran minimum veteran minimum no it allows them to stretch 22.7 million dollars over two years as opposed to having all 25 million dollars just sit on the cap 
right now. Um, he did give some explanations that how they could resign Marshawn Lattimore and Ryan Ramchek. For sure, they have to try to at least get back Ramchek, even if they decide to move on Lattimore, as we had mentioned earlier. Right. Where he said that, all right, um, I'll just read this part really quickly. He said, with a two-tier bonus structure, the Saints can reduce each player's 2020 cap hit below those figures. Let's do a Lattimore extension as an example. The Saints corner will probably want to top Jalen Ramsey's deal, so let's give him five years and $105 million. And all the Saints will owe Lattimore six years at $115.2 million, and here's how this could work. So they're saying then that for his base salary this season coming, it will be $2,200,000. The signing bonus that he will get will be $15 million stretched from 2021 to 2025, where then his cap hit 2021 now becomes $5.2 million, even though he is owed $105 million in total. 2022, the his cap hit, based on his permutations will be 33 million, but that could then be rearranged um, to convert it into a signing bonus, which means then that it drops from the 33 to 17 million. It's a whole lot of permutations, which is really yeah. not that important. We don't need to get into <laughs> that too heavy. But what the what he was bringing out in this article is basically there are things that the teams can do to get by under cap complaints where you can give a player a bonus, where you pay the bonus all one time, but then you can stretch it out over the remaining length of the deal, where then the dead money on the cap, the dead money will go up, but at least the machinations, the maneuvering that you will have to do to get back within the cap, would uh, it will give you some more freedom and a little more wiggle room to get certain things done. I know that was a lot of numbers and I probably explained it poorly, but and I apologize for that. But I tried. I actually want to see that myself too. I, yeah, no, no discredit to you, but I I I would love to read that article myself. Though. No problem. I mean, no, not not because of that, but I mean, yeah, just to be able to to visualize and understand that and to see what suggestions he is making as to how they could go about doing it. Because that is that is something we touched on just recently as well, too. So the teams and their and um, cap hits and cap space uh, upcoming for the next season. So, yeah, that would be interesting to read. Yeah, I mean, like... I hate figures, but hey. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of them either, but the way how he explained, like, I, I wanted to understand, like, what the dead money means. So dead right, money right. is money that you still owe that you paid already that is just accounted on the cap. Um, your roster bonuses are paid, therefore... You don't necessarily have to account for them on the cap this year. You can skip a year having them all of all of that. If you designate someone as a post June first cap, depending on how their contract is worded and the money is paid, then you can either pay you and either owing less or more, which is why the Philadelphia trading Carson Wentz over to Indianapolis. No, they have that massive dead cap hit. Because the because from the extension that they had paid him or that he had signed, they owe him all of this money, which at the time that they've traded him, no, all of it just sits on the cap and they have to figure it out. Enough of that. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So 
in closing, AJ, you had some final thoughts for us with regards to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Some comments that he made in an article with regards to LeBron James, where basically he has said, just like we have heard in the past, LeBron should stick to sports. He should stick to basketball because that's what he's good at. So that hand says he does not engage in any politics because that's not what he's good at. He is good at soccer. So what do you have for the people today, AJ? Yeah, so so far we've been like solely focused on the NFL and speaking about NFL and we've even had issues come up there that I felt strongly about that I discussed last time. But this is the one to me that I could not look past without discussing it because I was I was actually really very much taken aback when I saw this. Right, so like you said recently, Zlatan felt the need to call out professional athletes generally and specifically LeBron James was the name he used. Um, yeah, for matters basically outside of sports. Now, he was doing this interview for UEFA. Uh, um, it was on Discovery Plus, the Discovery Plus, Plus plat platform. So there's someone interviewing him. He was actually sitting, do doing a, like a, a, a full a verbal interview, right? So mm -hmm. his, his, his statements were... Um, he is, LeBron is phenomenal at what he's doing, but I don't like when people who have some kind of status, they go about and do politics at the same time. Do what you're good at. Do the category you do. I play football because I'm the best at playing football. I don't do politics. If I would be a political politician, I would do politics. Political politics. Okay. This is the first mistake people do when they become famous and they become in a certain status. Stay out of it. Just do what you do best because it doesn't look good. Now, I like to be fair above all else, right? So the first, when I saw this, the first thing I wanted to do was research to see if I could find the actual soundbite um, of this interview because I wanted to see how this response came about. Like, was he asked a leading question that made him arrive at this, at this uh, um, sort of conclusion? The answer is no, Ken. Do you, you believe that the question the man was asked was, do you like going to watch basketball? This is the question that led to Zlatan's response. Do you like going to watch back? I, I sat and I listened to this soundbite and you could hear the interview. I, I guess they were in a distance or wherever the case was. It wasn't someone like sitting down next to him, obviously. I sat and I listened to this repeatedly to make sure I was like, this, let me make sure this is the question I heard. Do you like going to watch basketball? So from do you like going to watch basketball, Zlatan takes the convo down a road that he wants it to go, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and brings out this disgusting form of prejudice. And I, 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 I boy, look. So I've, I've never been a big fan of Zlatan. I won't lie to you. I haven't been a big fan of Zlatan due to his personality or character, however people want to, to classify it. Same and, here. Huh? Same, the same here. Good, great. So we're on the same page so far. But I've always shown an appreciation an appropriate amount, I'd say, for Zlatan the footballer. Like I said, I like to be fair. But after this, after this latest transgression, this act of tomfoolery, basically, this left a real bit of taste in my mouth. I don't even know if I'm going to have anything positive to say about Zlatan the footballer going forward, right? 
No, everyone's entitled to their own individual opinion. And I'm not arguing that he should feel differently, but there's a time and a place to bring out these things, right? This wasn't a time or the place. Ken, the man's entire statement is rife with hypocrisy. Let me start, first of all, you, he's using, <laughs> using your own platform to speak out about your views on other people using their platform to speak out about their views? Bruh, that's textbook hypocrisy. That's number one. Secondly, saying that famous people shouldn't get involved in politics. This is actually yourself getting involved in politics. Yep. Bruh. And, 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 and here's the coup de gras, right? And this, this one is a doozy, you know? This one is a doozy. Ken, two short years ago, Zlatan himself spoke up publicly, mind you, about what he I'm termed as undercover racism by the Swedish media. I don't know if you recall this, but he claimed that he doesn't get the same sort of preferential treatment that other Swedish athletes get because his name, his last name is not a Swedish last name. Obviously making roots to his like um, Bosnian Croat um, roots, uh, um, making reference to yeah, Bosnian and Croat roots because you know his parents are immigrants to Sweden and he was born there, right, right, right? So we know all that. So with all of this in mind, right? Zlatan, Zlatan basically is saying that it is okay for him to speak out publicly against perceived injustices towards him, right? But when it comes to a black athlete speaking out against social injustice towards the entire black race, the entire black community, the black world, now that is where the problem is. And, and according to him, they should stick to sports. The thing is, right, the fact that Zlatan even felt the need to bring this up in this interview in, and in this current social climate, when he was asked a question that was completely unrelated and innocent, to this, to, to, to all of this, right? This man had this in his mind. He was waiting to bring this out, you know? He was, he was, he had to be waiting to bring this out. This perspective didn't come out of nowhere and it's not like, you know, that, like you were waiting, sir. You were waiting. I firmly believe that people with platforms should use it to try and affect change. That's me. But I do understand that not everyone is like that. So if that's not Zlatan's thing, then cool. I feel like he could have just said that and in any case, he didn't even need to say it because that wasn't a damn question asked. But the fact of the matter is, since he took it upon himself to inject this asinine opinion and project that onto someone else without taking into consideration the nature of what the person is trying to achieve, <laughs> well, just like how he said the Swedish to me, he didn't want to say outright that the Swedish media is racist, so he called it undercover racism. Well, sir, I don't want to say racism either. But for damn sure, this is undercover racism, Zlat. This man cannot be serious. And with that, I'll, I'll, I'll let you get piece of this because I know you wanted to add something as well. So you did a whole lot more research than I did on this, this topic and the stuff that Zlatan said. No, I didn't even go back necessarily to hear the question that was asked of him. So to hear now that the question that was asked of him is, do you like to watch basketball? And that, is, and that is where we end up, sir. So you said, Zlatan, that you don't believe that people should use their platform when they're not politicians for politics. Okay? That is fear. You are free to feel however you want to feel. 
On the other hand, when you are going to tell a black man, a famous black man, probably one of the most famous, if not the most famous, black man of this current generation, that he should not use his platform to speak on behalf of a people that have been historically oppressed by people who look like you, then I have an issue with that. When you are going to come, no, he came to the United States of America. He played for the Los Angeles Galaxy. For the entire time that you were in LA, did you never leave the posh areas? Did you never go to the other places and see what was happening? Did you never hear any of your teammates talk about their plight as black people and the challenges that they have walking on the streets? Or is it that you just didn't care? It wasn't that you didn't hear, you just didn't care. So you're going to say that the Swedish media is using undercover racism because they don't give you the shine that you think you should have because of your last name. Okay, but nobody is treating you differently because of your last name, sir even if they may not necessarily write all the glowing, flowing articles about you, your ego is big enough for all of us. So you don't need that. You say that you that the lion does not concern itself with the opinion of the sheep. So, That's so. Why, That's so. Yeah. why the hell then do you care if people say anything about you because of your last name, but... but understand this Latin, even if you were not famous, even with your height and size and your training that nobody can look at you and see, nobody's just going to automatically see you and think you're a threat. But somebody the height and size of LeBron James walking down the street, well, of course, we know how that story goes. So, I mean, for those who or would think that we are trying to be political. This is not a political situation. We're not having a political discussion. We're talking about real life. And if you don't necessarily look like us and you don't understand the plight of those who do look like us, my advice to you would be to ask somebody. And that would be the first thing I would tell to Zlatan too. You need to go and talk to somebody and get a little enlightenment. Because most of the time, your head is shoved so far up your backside, you don't care to hear or understand the experience and the plight of people who are not like you and who do not look like you. And when you're going to come and make a statement like that, that is bred out of ignorance. And as you said, this had to be something that was burning him. Because if you ask me, Ken, do you like bowling? I am not going to go on some tangent talking about what some bowler is doing. If Even if I like bowling, I'm going to say, yes, I like bowling. Or no, I don't like it. So I'm right now, I am doing my hard, I'm trying my best to keep the emotions inside because it is upsetting. And like you, I have not been a fan of Zlatan Ibrahimovic for the majority of his career. I like I said, I consider Zlatan to be pompous. 
and he exhibits a lot of the behaviors of a prick. But uh, and you know, let me let me just add a little something on it and kind of piggyback off of that too. Um, so you might remember even even I think it was before the start of the NFL season. I was a bit critical of Drew Brees because of something that he said, right? And mm -hmm. it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way with that. But I honestly, I, I, the thing is, I, I, I never thought of Drew. I, it, that, that disappointed me more because I never thought of Drew Brees as that kind of individual, right? And after that, I think he made wrong right. He tried to amend. He, he, was, he realized it was very ignorant. I, I still think it was very bad of him to not like have considered before other people come and tell him. But the fact of the matter is he tried to make wrong things right. I don't believe that Zatan is the kind of individual that wants to actually uh, uh, understand this or wants to do better in this situation. I don't think he does. Zatan is Zlatan. Zlatan cares about Zlatan. You talked about when he went to LA and the man took out a whole newspaper a newspaper ad, paid for a whole newspaper ad to, to, to um, put a picture of himself and say, there, LA, you're welcome. Just a couple weeks ago, and I, I feel like I need to mention this too. Just a couple weeks ago, he was involved in a little on-field fracas with, not physical, but a little bust-up kind of with Lukaku and was under investigation because something he said could be perceived as racist. He made a comment about Lukaku's mother that could be perceived as, obviously he's going to deny that. He's going to deny, he has been denying it. But the fact of the matter is he said something, uh, even back, this is a couple weeks ago, you know, and then know this. Listen, I don't want to hear anything. I tired giving these, I tired giving these white people passes for stuff they say and, 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 and other people suggesting that, you know what, not everything a white person say is not, nah, read the room, read the room. If, uh, if two weeks ago, you still kind of like under investigation, you just had an issue like this going on. You mean to tell me that this is something that you would come out and say right now? I don't care who tried to tell me anything from now. This, 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 I, I, I again, I, I, I can't, I don't know the guy, so I can't say definitively whether he is racist or not. But I will say this is at least undercover racism. Since that's his term, I'm going to use his term. This is undercover racism. I think we can leave it there for this week. Because we could we could just continue on on this topic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, folks, <laughs> thank you again for sticking with us through another Green Bay pod, Green Beige podcast. This one was a little bit different. We had some numbers. We had some, some um, racism conversation that, unfortunately, this is the world we live in, and these are the, the things that come up from time to time. So we're going to leave it here. If you haven't done before and you, you, know, you like what we've done, you know, give us a thumbs up. Hit the subscribe. Make sure you check that bell so that whenever we drop our episodes, that we you will be notified. Very shortly, we'll be moving this from an evening drop to a morning drop, because of course, you know, lots of us we are stuck at work. We're stuck at our desks, and maybe something that we say a little bit of a conversation can keep your company during the hours of the day. But more on that to come soon. So again, that is AJ, Green, Ken, and the Mage, and we will see you.